Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Thanks for joining us here today. And as always, have my executive producer, Andre Suttles, working behind the scenes. He's not on the mic for this episode, but this podcast is not possible without him. We're continuing to expand past the borders of South Carolina, especially with the with the blessing of doing these Zoom interviews. We're going all the way to the West Coast. My man, Brian Smith, joining us today on the podcast. Brian, how you doing? Ted, thanks for having me. I'm it's doing a, well. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Glad to hear that you're doing good. Um, just for our listeners who haven't been introduced to you, we know a lot of them are, are spread across the country, even spread internationally. Uh, why not introduce yourself really quick, let them know who you are and what it is you do? Sure. Yeah. Well, I have two hats that I wear. I'm a trial lawyer by day. I have a pretty unique specialty area of law. I represent survivors of sexual abuse against institutions like uh, the Boy Scouts of America and the Catholic Church. So I have a national practice. I've been doing that, uh, that specialty area of law for the last 10 years. I've been practicing for 20 years. Uh, but I also have a podcast, and it's called Dream Path Podcast. And the focus of that podcast is to interview creatives um, in all areas of the arts, uh, about their journey into the arts. So I interview filmmakers and uh, writers, actors, musicians, painters, about how they became a full-time artist, and they made that leap from their day job into the arts. Yeah. And I love to to kind of unpack some of that along with this podcast. So the topic of today really is is how the the creative aspect is beneficial to what we create in life. I think there there are two types of people in this world. You have the consumer, and you have the creator. And I personally believe that every single one of us has the capacity to create, but so few of us do it. So I guess my first question to you is, what is that? I guess that thing that holds so many of us back from creating something of our own? That's a great question. I think it's fear. I fear and anxiety are the primary factors holding us back from creating things that are really there right at the surface, ready to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the fear comes from that vulnerability that happens when you put something out into the world, or it doesn't even have to be into the world, but you put something out there for anyone to see and to judge. And the reaction that you get uh, could be rejection, or it could be acceptance and praise. And you have no idea what it's going to be. And so it's a, it's a scary moment when you have a painting or a piece of music or poetry or whatever it is, uh, a story that you're telling. Uh, to to have someone else hear it, take it in, and then give you feedback, that's that's a big moment. And I think that the the people that are successful are the folks that are not afraid to fail. They you you have to be able to put yourself out there and make something bad 
before you can make something good. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what stops a lot of people. It stops me. But that's what I'm finding out on this journey of my own and talking to creatives is that the fearlessness of, of, of creatives is what really sets them apart in terms of being able to make a living at what they're doing and being successful in the arts. Yeah. And I, and I want to unpack too uh, about the fear of failure. Um, it's almost something I would say is guaranteed for anybody that starts getting into the arts. Like you're almost guaranteed to fail. Um, someone, so I saw a post, they said, your first podcast is going to suck. Your first comp- composition that you create is going to be less than what you want it to be. I think that's mm-hmm. what holds a lot of people back from fully diving into what their gift might be because when they start to do something, they find that it might not be up to their own standards and they don't want to unveil that because it might be less than what they want. How can people work through that? Well, I think if you recognize where it's coming from, where that fear is coming from, it helps to get past it. And I firmly believe that there's a biological basis for that fear, an evolutionary basis. And it really dates back thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of years to the time when we were in tribes, basically, or we were living in caves and we relied upon each other. We relied upon being a part of a community to survive, to literally either live or die. And if you're rejected in that environment, rejection all the way back when we were living in, uh, in caves or, or tribes, um, that could be an existential crisis at that point. You, you could be uh, cast out and you could die of starvation. So if you recognize that really our, our reptilian brain is behind a lot of this fear which has no, I mean, it really has no basis <laughs> in, in reality currently, right? Because if we get up on stage and we are, uh, we're going to be a public speaker, and if you look at the, the, top, the list of the top five fears that people have in this world, public speaking is actually number one, and it's above fear of death. It's above fear of snakes. So why is that? And when we start to analyze it from an evolutionary standpoint, we realize how silly it is. We are being like our dreams are being held back by some piece of DNA, some hardwiring that is left over from thousands of years that has no meaning today because we're going to be fine. If we fail, somebody laughs at us. Somebody says, you know what? That sucks that's not the end of the world. And it doesn't mean that we're, we're not going to survive. It just means, Hey, you're getting some feedback and maybe it does suck and it probably does suck, but how do you make it better? And, um, and that's what I think artists are good at is recognizing that it's like, I don't know if you've read any uh, Eckhart Tolle or not, but he's one of my favorite philosophers. He, he wrote a book called the power of now and, and a new earth. And he talks about observing your ego. So your ego really controls a lot of the the narratives that we spin in our head every day and the stories that we tell ourselves. And um, if we step back a little bit and observe and recognize that the ego is not us, 
It's this separate thing inside of us. And it serves a purpose sometimes, but for the most part, it does not serve us well. Then you can start to objectively see and examine your own fear and anxiety and see how irrational it is. Um, and so it's, it's weird, but I think creativity, there's a, there's a big connection between cr- creativity and philosophy and self-examination that is fascinating to me. I, I agree so much because I think for us, we, we've, we've evolved um, technologically so much faster than we have biologically. So the world that's around us doesn't necessarily match our DNA. It doesn't match what's going on in our head. So when we feel the deadline of getting a project in at work, we feel the same stress that we would feel being hunted by a predator. Well, there's no saber-toothed tigers that are hunting us anymore. We are just trying to meet a deadline at work, but the, the body reacts in the same way. So it's easy for us to fall victim to that, that reptilian brain that you mentioned. Um, right. So many people, they're just like, I can't get in front of that crowd. I can't do that because what if, um, what if it's not accepted? The other half right. is, what if it is accepted? Um, what if it is wildly accepted? What are some of the, I guess, the benefits folks can enjoy for fully kind of jumping into their creative nature? Well, I think it's a sense of freedom that we that, that very few of us have uh, in life. We are really stuck in a, a narrative where um, we have to play by the rules and we have to be conservative and we have to not offend the people around us. But if you open yourself up to creating whatever it is that, that's inside of you and putting it out there, um, you are going to have a sense of emotional and creative freedom that is going to be liberating. And I know that sounds kind of woo woo, but uh, I, I just started a process uh, called morning pages and um, morning pages is a, an activity that is recommended by a, a author named Julia Cameron. And she uh, is, is, this is a, a technique that a lot of writers follow basically. Uh, but I, I learned it from uh, Tim Ferriss and Brian Koppelman, both podcasters. But but morning pages is a ritual where you get up every morning and you just write down in freehand three pages of whatever's on your mind. No filter. You just put it on the page and you do it before any social media. You do it before anything else in that that starts your day. And what that does is it, it opens up the faucet basically of creativity you're you're getting and it's it's bad i mean categorically sometimes you'll find some nuggets in there in these morning pages and you're like oh that actually is pretty clever or profound or whatever <laughs> most of the time it's crap but what you're doing is you're giving yourself permission to put that crap on the page and it, in a way it's kind of a cleansing that happens and I'm not all the way through this. I just started the process of morning pages and reading her book on the topic. But I, I think that I'm already seeing and feeling the benefits of that flow of creativity. And, it, and it's my focus is better throughout the day. 
my mood is better, the way I interact with people. And, um, and I, I'm hoping that through freeing up these creative outlets for, for folks, that they will feel empowered to put more out there of themselves. Because I think what we're doing in, in our society is we're, we're holding a lot of, a lot of things in and, and it's not healthy. Uh, so how do you, what is that outlet? And I think creativity is one of those outlets. Uh, social media is an unfortunate kind of dysfunctional part of those, those outlets that we default to. And, um, and I, I think creativity at its core is kind of the opposite of social media absorption, because when you're on social media, you're sitting there almost like a sponge taking in everything that someone else says and it's becoming part of your psyche at that point and it's becoming part of your reality and that it that is not healthy you need to have an outlet where you put you are putting yourself out there not in the form of a tweet not in the form of an instagram post which is curated or a facebook post where you're trying to create a, an impression of what you are all about true creativity is deeper than that you know whatever form it takes painting or writing or music it's it's deeper than that and um i'm sorry if that's a rambling answer but that's that's what came to mind in response to your question yeah and, and i think what you kind of perfectly depicted there was finding a voice i think a lot of people they they sit stuck in terms of a creative nature because they don't know what to say how to say it or if they're painting they don't know what style to to put out there but i think the reality is we can't find our voice unless we start to talk, unless we start to sing, unless we start to write, unless we start right. to paint. It's through that process where, you know, where most of it might not be ideal how we want it to look or sound. It's, it's the, I guess, the growing pains of, of getting to that perfect stylistic delivery of what we intend. It's almost like walking. If we saw ourselves learning how to walk, we probably would be like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work out. But luckily, as a baby, we're, we don't have the conscious mind of thinking people are going to make fun of us if we try taking these three steps. And we're just not going to take those three steps. We do yeah. it. And before we know it, I mean, you know, for those of us that are gifted and, and lucky enough and blessed, we're able to. So I think it's I think that was a perfect answer to the question, because it's all about finding our voice through the process of doing and eventually getting to the point where what we share with the world is something that has been worked on and perfected. And, and, and to that point, we've heard the term starving artist, right? Um, what would you say to somebody who wants to take their drawing, their painting, their singing, maybe their writing, maybe they're, they have a, uh, an idea for a show that they've written out, they have a script written, but they just haven't sold it yet. What would be the steps you'd tell these folks to go from a hobby, a starving artist, side gig type thing, to actually making this your main gig and getting paid for? Ah, uh, gosh, that's a great question. I, I've talked to so many successful artists uh, who are making a great living or even just a living, uh, you know, even if they're just scraping by, they're, they're surviving with art. And it's pretty amazing to me that they're doing that. Um, I would say that there's, there's a couple of key factors. One is they are all in. So they're not dabblers. They're not hobbyists. And 
that means that they are doing basically the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours approach. And in that, that book by Malcolm Gladwell, where he talks about 10,000 hours really is um, a liberating concept to, to adopt because what it says is that, yeah, there are people who are born with gifts, but really the majority of the folks who are super successful in whatever they do, it's because of the time that they put into that endeavor, whether it's baseball or tennis or uh, painting or music, you have to put in that 10,000 hours before you get to a level where you are a professional. So put in that time. Second, you have to network. So you, you cannot do this in isolation. And that means if you're a painter, you're going to galleries, you are talking to other painters, you are looking at their work, you're, you're studying the work of, of, um, artists in the past. You're, um, immersing, I I would guess, uh, immersion is the, the word that you would probably use for, you know, how you would approach really diving in to the networking aspect of things. You're, you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people. So if you do those two things, you put in the time and you network, your chances of actually emerging as a professional artist are much greater. Yeah. And I like that immersion because I think it, it's interesting when, when you're in a certain niche and you talk about the, the big players in that niche, among those who know, they know. It's almost like when they say, if you know, you know. If you don't, you're not in it. And it's, it's almost like when you talk about any niche, whether it be the painters, photographers, or anything like that, you talk about the best in the craft. Those who have immersed themselves in it know exactly who you're talking about. And mm-hmm. it's among when you talk to other people about entrepreneurs and, and I mean, sure, there's a lot of people who know the, the Gary V's of the world. They know the Grant Cardone's of the world. But when you kind of go more in depth, you talk about, OK, Bedros Koulian. They say, oh, who? It's like, all right, well, if, if you're in it, you're in it. If you're not, you might not speak that language. So immersion, I think, is definitely a, a way to to kind of get to that next level. So surround yourself in it so much that you're aware of who the greatest are. You learn from the greatest and then you express your own. Speaking of learning from the greatest, um, how is the balance of, I guess, inspiration and, and style? Because a lot of us can take bits and pieces from the world around us. I think when it comes to creativity, this podcast in general is, is a tidbit of a lot of different podcasts that I used to listen to. And I kind of mesh it together to make my own style. I think a lot of artists do something similar to that. What does that process of inspiration to stylistic expression look like? Well, I think that uh, there, there was a quote that I heard the other day about who, who was it that said this? Uh, but basically the, the, the idea of the quote was that you, you copy others until you find your own voice, until you understand what your perspective is. And I think that's a fine approach to, you know, whether you call it mimicking or inspiration or whatever the, uh, whatever wording you choose, you are using other 
examples of art to inform your own process. And I think that's what we all do. I mean, I, I'm a musician and I love the blues and I love folk music. So what, what is the best way to become good in those genres is to listen and to mimic and to learn other songs, copy and cover uh, those other songs. But then over time, you find your own style and your own rhythm and you eventually find your own voice. And I think that applies across every discipline, across every uh, type of uh, you know, creative endeavor that you'll find, uh, whether it's writing, if you like Steinbeck or Hemingway or uh, screenwriting, you like, you know, I, I just interviewed um, Nick Cassavetes, who's a screenwriter and has, comes from a, a storied Hollywood family of John Cassavetes and Gina Rowland. And, and he, uh, you know, he found his own voice. He, he came from Hollywood royalty, but, and, and he, maybe he did mimic his dad for a while and looked up to his dad, uh, who was an icon in, in independent film. But eventually he emerged with a completely unique voice. And I think we all go through that process and it's natural and we shouldn't be ashamed of it. Yeah, I, I agree 100% because I mean, even through with, with my day job as anchoring, um, I was in it for three years before I even first got to work on my own style. And it's almost like they say, learn the rules so you can break them. You want to kind mm-hmm. of learn exactly um, what you can and can't do. And then when you're within those lines, then you can kind of push the limits a little bit, kind of like driving a race car. Sure, the speed limit might be X, but if you know how fast that bad boy can go, you know what your grips on your tires can handle, you're going to go that around that track a lot faster than what most people would. I yeah, the, the quote actually, I found the quote. I'm sorry, Ted, to interrupt yeah. you, but <laughs> the quote is actually a Miles Davis quote. Uh, so, so Miles Davis said, it took me years to learn how to play like myself. Yep. And I, I think that's a pretty profound, succinct way of, of saying what you and I are, uh, talking about. Yeah. You know, just find, find your, learn how to play like yourself, but it's going to take you a while. Yeah. And, and to any of the listeners, I think we, we both know the frustration of what it's like trying to find ourselves, try to find what our voice is, because um, after a while of doing it, you, you start getting restless a little bit and you, you start getting to that point where, okay, well, where is it? For anybody going through that, that creative process, or maybe anyone who's listening to this podcast right now who haven't um, fully jumped in, into a creative expression of their own, what are some of the benefits people can have in their own everyday lives by expressing themselves creatively in some form of medium? Uh, another great question. I, I think one of the things that we're plagued with in our society is that we are defining ourselves by our careers. And I think that's not a healthy way to look at our, our identity as a human being, we are not what we do to make money. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think if we branch off into creative endeavors and we express ourselves creatively, and this is kind of what I'm trying to do with my podcast personally, you know, I, I work in a very tough profession. So I try cases. I'm a, I'm a trial lawyer. 
Uh, I represent folks all across the country. I travel a lot. Their stories are heavy. I mean, they're traumatic. And I'm dealing with a lot of trauma on a daily basis, basically 24-7, seven days a week. And over time, I, I realized that this cannot be my identity. When they say, what, what do you do? People almost always respond with, I am a whatever it is. I am a CPA. I am a doctor. I am a news reporter or an anchor. But we're so much more than that. And I think art allows us to express that. We are more than what we do to make money or to put food on the table. And so that's what I love about creativity. You can sit down with a notebook and longhand write out a story or type something out and, and you have just created something that has nothing to do with your day job. And it's a beautiful thing. And it doesn't even have to be read by anybody or by a big audience, but you're, you're doing something that expands your own definition of who you are. And I think that's a healthy thing. Yeah. And I think to your point of a lot of us defining ourselves by what we do, the problem with that is what we do can be taken away from us. So for those who might identify as a CPA, identify as a news anchor or, or whatever the job might be, what happens if that job is taken from us? Do we lose our identity? Do we lose who we are? But when you, when you put your, your inspiration and your creativity into something, whether it be playing the piano, painting, writing a story, once that's created, it can't be taken from you. It's, it's, yeah. out and it's something that has come from nothing really. And, and to be able to create something like that. And if you're lucky enough to share it with others, um, I think that's something that's very special and unique to each and every single creator out there. Coming towards the end here, last couple of questions. I know we talked about the Dream, the Dream Path podcast. I guess for our listeners really quick, let them know about the podcast, the project that you're working on, and some of the goals you have with that. Yeah, I started Dream Path podcast a little over a year ago, right after the Sundance Film Festival in 2019. And I really drew a lot of inspiration from that festival um, a year ago and m- met someone uh, who was um, inspirational to me, who eventually agreed to be interviewed on my show. She's an Oscar-winning film director named Raika Zetab. She, she won the Oscar that year for Best Documentary Short. And the, the whole concept was, just as I described in the beginning of the, the podcast here, that uh, I would interview creatives about their journey into the arts. And it was pretty broad at first. And it still is broad, but really um, the, the, the criteria for being on this show is that I have to be genuinely curious about their story. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so great about podcasting. It's like you, you just completely, um, you're a trailblazer on your own path to wherever you want to go. Um, in terms of the narrative that you have. And I, I just love being able to hear a song and say, you know what, I'm going to do some research on who just, you know, who wrote that song, who recorded it with them. I want to talk to those folks. Or you see a movie 
and you're inspired by that movie or you just enjoyed it and you're, you're like, how did that movie get made? And you start doing research and reaching out to people. And before, you're, before you know it, you're talking to the very folks who either wrote that movie, directed it, acted in it, or you see a painting at a gallery, same thing. And I love being able to, um, I love being able to go through life that way with that natural curiosity that I've always had, but be able to take that curiosity and actually apply it to something like a podcast and bring those stories to my listeners. And just through my own my own curiosity, and, and I I just love where I'm at right now. So I'm glad you asked me about you know the, the podcast because it's something I'm I'm really excited about, and uh, and I get up every day passionate about it a year later, and I hope that I can continue doing this for the next uh, several years. Uh, and yeah, and I know when we first talked, it was almost like the the birth of both of our podcasts came from the same necessity was a balance in life and and you know being in a morning news anchor, there's a lot of negativity there with the the practice that you're in, a lot of negativity there. So the creativity is almost an outlet for us to express more positivity, but also kind of have something greater than just what we do, but really something that we can create and, and call our own on the side. So that's, that's yeah. why I knew I, I definitely wanted to to ask that. For our listeners that want to maybe check out the podcast and maybe learn more about you and your practice and things you do, what's the best way for them to reach out, get in contact with you and follow some of your stuff? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at DreamPathPod. That's the Twitter handle and the Instagram handle at DreamPathPod. And then the website is uh, DreamPathPodcast.com. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you get podcasts. And uh, if you have an idea for a, an interview or a guest to be on the show, or you just want to send me any feedback at all, you can call me on my cell, text me. That's available on the website, my cell number. And i um, happy to chat with anybody about the show anytime. It's something I'm really uh, still very passionate about, and I appreciate feedback from listeners. Absolutely. And I'll be sure to have those links in the show notes too, so our listeners and watchers on YouTube can really get access to all of that. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time today, Brian Smith. Anything else you want to give to our listeners before we let you go? Ted, thanks for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. And I just want to recap some of the, the things that we talked about, the topics, and really what I pulled from it in terms of a lot of us, a lot of the listeners, myself included, hold back on some of the things that we can create because of fear. We have that reptilian brain that tells us uh, not to try this because we're afraid of being rejected by the masses. And I, I, I believe, just like you, that that is born out of our instinct to want to be accepted into the crowd, to be accepted into the tribe for survival. So definitely for anyone that might be feeling that hesitation, try and ignore that and push through. Even further, the morning pages, finding your voice. Finding your voice by doing the practice, I think, is something a lot of us need to adopt. And if we're holding back on the idea for the podcast or anything like that, but finding our practice could be that one step that helps us find our voice, get that confidence to really share our gifts with the world. You might be able to hear uh, my little foster pup Nike in the back. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. But um, the, the last part is putting in the time and networking, fully immersing yourself 
in the craft of what you're doing is definitely a great thing. I got to go take her out. With that being said, <laughs> Brian, thanks enough. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Ted, you're really good at this, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I appreciate that. And I learn every step of the way, even with the distractions behind me, I still stay focused as best as I can. And to the listeners who All made right. it to the end, thank you so much. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't have the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. <laughs> right on. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.